Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time in your host of Buy the Books. I have got Keith Cothrell here, who is a Houston tax attorney with yes, the, the I, law firm of Keith Cothrell. So that's an easy one to remember. Absolutely. And what attracted me to you in terms of bringing you on this podcast to share with our audience is the fact that you specialize in IRS tax issues, which many small business no- owners need help with. And even if they haven't run into problems yet. They need help avoiding problems with the IRS. So that's why you're here. Absolutely. And um, thank you so much, Lindsay, for, for having me on this podcast. I'm excited to be here, excited to tell everyone you know, everything that I know. Not everything I know. And I want you to call me later. <laughs> but um, we'll give you some good key points. On... And he drove all the way from Houston to Dallas to do this. So you I are did. dedicated. I so... did. So... I'm, I'm, I'm uh, excited to hear what you have have to bring our audience today. <laughs> absolutely. So I'm a UT Arlington grad. So if anyone, Are you? anyone here went to UT Arlington that's watching, I'm a MAV, graduated a long time ago. Very but, nice. Uh, but I, I come up here probably about four or five times a year. Very nice. Well, yeah. it's great to have you. Welcome yeah. to Dallas and definitely visit Hutchins Barbecue while you're here if you haven't already. I haven't. I got to Hurtado. That was really good. Okay, nice. Yeah. Nice. But definitely hit, I am a Hutchins girl. I, I am of, a, of the opinion you can't beat it. So try it out. Make sure you order a Texas Twinkie. They're uh, stuffed jalapenos, stuffed with cream cheese nice. and um, brisket, wrapped in bacon, slathered with barbecue sauce. It is the bomb. Love them. I went to Hard Eight one time and it was a hard pass. So. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Well. It doesn't like it, it doesn't beat Hudgens. Yeah. I, I am a Hudgens fangirl, as you can see. So yes. gotta try it out before you leave Dallas. Yeah, much to the chagrin of my doctor, I'm a barbecue connoisseur. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then I'm definitely interested to, he- to hear what you say after you try it. Yeah, definitely. So if, if I get if I get your stamp of approval, it sounds like that's a big deal. Oh yes. There's like I said, there's a reason why my office is next door to a barbecue restaurant. So that's right. Nice and close. Keith was telling me before we started that he chose his office specifically because of the restaurants that were next to it. Yes. <laughs> and I said that is a completely legitimate reason to do that. I agree. It's my stamp of approval on it. So I guess we should actually talk about IRS, huh? Maybe we should. Yeah. I mean, it's not as fun as barbecue, but. <laughs> So what do small business owners need to know about the IRS? Well, I'm going to talk about a few things as we go through, but uh, there's four key areas. It's getting behind, getting negligent, not um, hiring the right person, and not opening your IRS letters. So those are sort of the those four things bad. that I'm going to try to kind of intersperse and talk about today. Um, what do you think is the most egregious thing in the IRS's eyes? Is it avoiding or is it lying about something? Or what is the worst thing you could do in the eyes of the IRS? The worst thing is avoiding because 
Uh, I've been doing this for 14 years and I can do a lot, but there's certain times that once you get to the levy stage or you get past uh, what's called the notice deficiency when you get audited and you get you start getting billed for what you owe then there's a lot of limitations as to what i can do i mean I can still do stuff okay but uh, so avoiding it is really the worst thing you can avoiding do avoiding it's the worst thing that you can do and then also just the other thing too is just keeping track of things it's keeping track of your expenses and your income and doing all that right well and if anyone needs help with that that's why we here at Secline are here to help with the bookkeeping even if it's a mess and even if it's behind we can help you with that and that's why you guys are so important and why we got connected because a lot of people need someone like you Mm -hmm. so that they don't have to call me (laughs) (laughs) touche So I would imagine avoiding it is probably for a lot of people the go-to method. If they don't mm-hmm. have the money or they just feel generally overwhelmed and not sure how to approach it and probably intimidated, avoiding it probably seems like the best thing to do in that moment just to kind of push the can down the road. Mm-hmm. What would you suggest for someone that might be in that situation where they're getting these letters, they have, they feel in their mind no recourse, no way to pay it, nothing good to tell the IRS? What would you say to do in that situation? Well, the the best thing to do is is to acknowledge, you know, acknowledge the problem. I, it's kind of a psychologically psycho, psychology type. Is of this thing. the the first step? Is admitting you have a problem? Exactly. <laughs> so. Um, the more you get behind, the harder you can always get out of it. So there's never, there's never, I don't ever want to say anything that, you know, if you're $600,000 into it, a hundred thousand into it, a million into it, it's too late. It's never too late. So there's always something that you can do. But I think the best way to answer that question is that, um, People get scared because they worry about what the IRS can do. Mm. And so I'm here to say today that all they want is your money. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Well, that's probably what they're scared of, though, don't you think? Because they yes. can freeze your, your assets, right? And I say that, and I don't mean to be glib about it, but it's all they really want is your money. And so they don't want to put you in jail. They don't want to take your house away. They can take your house away if you have. I, that's happened to me about three times okay. with clients. And the reason why that happened I'm is, assuming you mean it's happened to your clients, not that you personally me. have had three right. houses right. taken away. <laughs> no, no, no. Not, not me personally. So we have to cut this broadcast off. <laughs> it's like, who is this guy? <laughs> but, um, so you but, had three clients that have had their houses taken away. And that was revenue officer involved. Well, Keith, what kind of help are you then if they're getting their house taken away? Because they avoided it. <laughs> so they didn't call you till it was too late. They didn't talk to the revenue officer. They didn't They didn't try to set up a payment plan. They didn't try to set up a non... So they, at what point did they bring you on the scene? Were they already at that point where their house was getting taken away? They're at the revenue officer stage, which is essentially the revenue officer's job is to make certain... Is to find out what you have... And what you spend your money on and then determine what what you can pay and so for business that happens after you've already been billed so there's two ways the irs works in two key ways they work on the exam side which is the let's find what you have and bill you later 
And then the second side of it is you've already we've already billed you or you've already turned in your tax return and this is how much you owe. And so the revenue agent is here and the revenue officer is here. And so at the enforcement side of things, they're the ones that have the power to take that house away. The revenue agent does not. When you get audited, the only thing the revenue agent can do is say, this is what you think you owe. And, and then they send So they don't really have a lot of power on, the, on that side. They have the power to, to redo your tax return, but that's where I come in. And so, um, but there's a lot, I understand there's a lot of recourse at that, at that stage where you can appeal and there's, there's steps of actions you can take if you don't think that revenue officer has exactly done you right. Exactly. And so I was uh, kind of sharing a story with you earlier about a woman that I had and she was a realtor and we had, she had her calendar, she had her listings and the IRS agent who was new, he said, uh, I can't take this information. I can't give her $23,000 worth of mileage, by the way. And I said, what do you mean you can't take it? Here's the calendar. It says where she went. Here's the listings. The Koana rule says that we get it. What's the Koana rule? Like, it's your rule. You're supposed to know what it is. Let me talk to my supervisor. And then literally the next day, oh, you're right. But had I not been there, wow. she would have lost out on all Wow. Wow. So, so I guess... From my perspective, hearing these stories, I would think the moral of the story here is call you early on in the process. Absolutely. Because you can be the most beneficial to your clients when you can get there at the very beginning. Yes, absolutely. So it's better to call early than late because once they levy your money, I, I had, you know, years ago, I had a gentleman who we, you know, the rule used to the rules is to a certain extent if you're going to get evicted if you're going to get foreclosed on some some real hardship your utility shut off the IRS, the IRS would release that money but in this particular case they wouldn't release it mm. and so he says he owes too much he hasn't done anything and so um, I just tell people once once they get the money it's it's theirs and so we got to work about what we're going to do f- from here the future that makes sense yeah so what are some other tips that you would give small business owners who may or may not be in this situation maybe they're they're they haven't gotten a letter yet how Mm -hmm. do they avoid getting into these situations the best way to avoid it is you know every business owner including you and i are really really busy and until to be honest I never thought about the back end of the business until I started doing taxes. And then I said, hey, I need to have this stuff organized because I saw what was happening to everybody Mm. else. And so, you know, we get busy. We don't mean to get behind. We're trying to, whatever we're doing, whether you're an attorney or you're in retail or you paint houses for a living, whatever it is, your mindset is typically going to be, I've got it. I've got three things to do today, and I got to get them done. And then I, you know, then I have this to do, and I got to meet that person, and so on and so forth. So, have a team in place. Um, there's lots of people that can get involved that don't cost a lot of money. Do it, you know, get get that team in place so that you don't get behind. You have someone else other than yourself saying, "Hey, you know, you got payroll due. Mm-hmm. You got estimated taxes due. Why? 
why did you spend $5,000 at Target and it's a business expense? You know, <laughs> all these things. That and you, again, you if together. anyone needs help with any of this, please call us, sucline.com. All of our info is there because this is exactly what we do. We help business owners track and understand their financials so that they don't get into these situations. And I will do um, I, I will do some preliminary work. So what I'll do for new businesses, so anyone who's a, thinking about starting a new business, brand new business, you're like, oh my goodness, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, what I will do for you is we'll talk about your business structure. Should he be an LLC? Should he be a subchapter S? And then... I'll help you get your team in place. I know, I know you here, um, and I know other people that are not, you know, location. You know, they're, they're location agnostic, so yep. they don't mind if they're in the Houston yep. area or wherever else. Absolutely, I've got people, you know, all over the country that I use. That's um, the beauty of what we do. It's completely remote and cloud-based, so we can help anyone anywhere. And we'll have a conversation. You know, this is how you keep track of everything. Mm-hmm. And then it's you know, then it'd be up to you to kind of follow that that lead so yeah that makes sense and I, I, tell me this because I'm always um, I feel like I'm a broken record sometimes I'm always harping on documentation mm-hmm. and keeping personal and business separate um, so let's touch on those two things because I'm always talking about them first documentation um, I tell my bookkeeping clients that it is important they keep, even if it's just in a shoebox somewhere, keep all your receipts. Mm-hmm. Ideally, keep them in a digital format so you don't have to worry about them getting lost or burned in a fire or faded over time. But at the very least, keep them in a shoebox so that in the event you're audited, you can present evidence that you actually did have a legitimate business expense. Mm-hmm. How important is that? You deal with IRS on a constant basis. I'm sure you've seen clients come to the table that did not have their documentation. How much of an issue was that? Good question. So ideally you want to have your receipts. Ideally, if you're doing, if you're having, uh, for instance, um, I'm having lunch with uh, someone later on today and we're going to talk about business. So ideally when we're at Blue Macy Grill, we're going to be writing oh, yeah. down. Oh, yeah. Know, the purpose of the meeting. Met with Robbie and talked about whatever. Um, but what I do is I have a separate business account that everything runs through. There might be, you know, $1,000 on there that's personal throughout the year. But usually it's it's all business, and that's how I run everything. As I run everything through that business account, I don't really keep my receipts anymore uh, because the IRS will accept the bank statements so long as they know what it is. Mm. So, for instance... Is that true? Because I have had people insist that the IRS will use just a bank statement or a credit card statement, and I argue with them. Mm-hmm. So, am I wrong? I think I think you should go ahead and tell people, and, and I'll tell people you know, here today, if you can do the, the, I don't know if Neat Desk is still around, but you do your, you scan your receipts, absolutely keep them, and then organize them. Well, the QuickBooks sure. Online app, which that's the platform we use, 
for our bookkeeping services is QuickBooks Online. They actually have a phone app where you just snap a picture of the receipt and it goes straight into your QuickBooks file. Perfect. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So that's obviously ideal because then, like I said, you don't have to worry about it getting lost or faded. Mm -hmm. Um, But let's just say all they have is a credit card receipt or a bank statement. Does it depend on the agent? It can, but what they really get concerned about is things that they can't tell what it is. We know what Office Depot is. We know what you know, state bar dues are. But let's take that whatever. example, Office Depot. Mm-hmm. At Office Depot, you can buy copy paper mm-hmm. or you can buy um, you can buy all kinds of things that are coffee absolutely coffee. Right? Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to think of some examples of things that are clearly could be for personal use, mm-hmm. right? So you can't necessarily say because it was purchased at Office Depot that it was business related. I do. <laughs> I've not had it challenged. Really? By okay. An auditor. I've not okay. Had it challenged by an auditor where they get where they get upset about is like your Costco's and your Targets and your Walmarts and your ah. Albertsons or Kroger or whatever okay. those are. Grocery you can't stores. tell what it is. So, so buy your coffee at Office Depot. Right. So <laughs> they because they can't tell those are the one those are the ones that are, are a little bit more could it be personal, could it be business? Um now, for instance, I've had people use Costco and Sam's Club when they ran adult daycares because, you know, they're feeding they're feeding people in their house for three days a week. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. But, you know, if you were you know, depending on your industry, it's it's, it's not going to be a really good idea to do that. So, receipts ideally a non commingled business account. So let's get into that commingling. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm constantly advising prospective clients and clients do not run anything personal through your business accounts. Yep. And even if you have multiple businesses, don't commingle those businesses with each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm preaching that often. How much of a problem have you seen that become for your clients? It is one of the main reasons I've seen audits. Um, it's one of my top three reasons why people get audited. Because Interesting. they, like you say, it's an interchange. It's, uh, you know, I didn't have enough money in the account, so I used my personal account for a business thing or vice versa. Or they have Which, multiple. Which, as businesses. a side note, that's not problematic. It's the way they're doing it that's a problem. If mm-hmm. you need to pay something with personal funds, make a contribution to your company account from your personal account right. and then pay that bill from the business account. So it's the way you're going about it that becomes a problem. If you're paying a personal bill out of a business account or a business account, a bill out of a personal account, that's when it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. So if you do it just as a contribution or a distribution to the account, you need it. That's fine. That's not an issue. So have you seen, you said it, it, it it increases the chances of an audit once they're in an audit and they've been commingling. What kind of problems do you see in the middle of the audit? Now, what, the auditor will do sometimes is they will, especially if you're any kind of corporate, if you're any kind of S corp or corporation, they will take those personal expenses out and treat that as a dividend income. They, they treat it as a, Which a makes dividend sense. income right. to you. 
and so you're taxed on that. Of course. And they'll they'll try. I haven't really seen it in the soul prop schedule C filer, but it's always always going to show up in a subchapter S or C corp. Um, and you know, if you do it enough, I'm you know. Are they going to pierce the veil and say you're not even a corporation at all, and it all goes to your personal taxes? That's happened maybe once or twice. So, and then where you're talking about the the multiple businesses, I've seen that too. And I had one years and years ago, the first job I ever had uh, doing this work. The guy was a um, he had. It was an income thing, not expenses, and he was moving income between his different ex- mm-hmm. his different businesses. It happens quite often. And so, <laughs> I, I can't. And at the time, I didn't have you know a CPA to say. I knew it was wrong, but it's like, how do I explain this to the IRS? So I pieced it together. I got the deposits down. I said, okay, I, you know, here's where all the deposits are coming from. Really, this company A, and they're just being moved around B and C. And uh, that was uh, that was a case that uh, luckily I didn't have to finish. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> a company went bankrupt. I'm like, oh Good. no. You, you have fun. Oh wow. <laughs> well, and so those those instances happen a lot where there's an owner that has multiple businesses and for whatever reason, they need the money to be one place or the other, right? And so the advice I give to my clients is you as the owner are the tie that binds these all together. Let you, your own personal account be the hub. So if you need money to go from one company to the other, give yourself a distribution from the company that's going to be transferring from Mm -hmm. then you give a contribution to the company that you need the money in and that way you're always the 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 tie that binds those together it's always a contribution or a distribution which is the proper way to handle that Mm -hmm. um because obviously and you know as an attorney i'm sure you can attest to this piercing the corporate veil you mentioned that not only do you not want them to say this is not a corporation but you don't want a situation where if one company gets sued, now all your companies are subject to litigation because you've commingled them together and they've decided, you know what, this is just all one company. Um, mm-hmm. It's literally pointless to set up an LLC or a corporation if you're going to commingle personal or them with each other. Why even have separate entities? Because you're basically negating that legal protection by commingling it. Mm-hmm. So if you want the highest form of protection possible, keep it completely separate and only deal with those transfers by making distributions and contributions. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. Another thing that happens, too, is if you, underf- if you underfund one way or the other, personally or business, then what you could get yourself into what's called a cash tea audit in which they say, um, how are you affording to live? Because, you know, there, there's, and that's usually a distribute, that's usually an issue where you're not making the proper distributions to the business or, or, or something like that. And so they'll say, well, how are you paying your, if you're only netting like 25 grand, you know, and you, and you have, you know, a wife and two kids, how are you all living? And she's a stay-at-home mom or something. So you know? they're implying there that you're paying some personal expenses out of your business, I would assume. Exactly. And so what'll happen, that's usually what happens in the cash tea. But then they'll also say, you don't want to get into that because then they're literally, the auditor is saying, 
okay, how much do you pay for groceries? How much do you pay for this? Oh, how much wow. do you pay for that? So, wow. So they get really nitpicky they get with really that. They get really nitpicky. They, they become even a little bit more of a revenue officer in that case, just in the way that they nitpick what you're paying wow. expenses on. So, wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm correct then in stating that all of that should be completely segregated. And mm-hmm. in addition to that, making sure that anything that is actually business is marked as such and treated properly. And I would say even further than that, if it's an S-corp, while I mentioned earlier you should be making distributions, you also have to make sure you're paying yourself on W-2 income because otherwise the IRS will view that as tax evasion if you're not paying payroll taxes. Absolutely. And so they're actually going after S-corps now. And if you, you you've got to pay yourself some type of what's called reasonable compensation is what it's called and you need to pay yourself if you're an s-corp that payroll because essentially when you're not paying self-employment tax you're not doing your FICA and your social security through the self-employment which is what you're doing when you're doing your self-employment tax so they want you to pay payrolls so you're paying that tax so that right. it's underfunded so you know, so and this is just to give some background to anyone that might not know um the reason why this only applies to s corps is because if you're a schedule c a sole proprietor or if you're a partnership a 1065 all of the net income flows to the business owner and you're paying those payroll taxes on all of your net income mm-hmm. so the IRS doesn't care that you're on payroll because you're paying on 100% of your net income in those situations. But when you make um, an S-corp election, if you're an LLC, or you just set your company up as an S-corp, that changes things. Mm -hmm. Now you actually are able to give yourself distributions and you're not paying any payroll taxes on those distributions. However, the IRS does not allow you to pay yourself 100% that way. They Mm. still want you to pay payroll taxes. And so it's very ambiguous um, because if correct me if I'm wrong, Keith, the way the IRS words it is paying yourself a reasonable income, which that seems very subjective, right? What's a reasonable income? What's a reasonable income? And so... I just read this morning uh, on uh, a Facebook group I'm a part of about a law firm and, you know, what's a reasonable income for a law firm because, um, you know, are you, you know, when, especially when you're multiple attorneys, you know, a shareholder or a partner gets paid a lot different than an associate does. And so, and then, it, and then a lot of that depends on years. I mean, I start off at 250 an hour and 400 an hour now mm-hmm. after 15 years. So, um, it's... It, it all it all changes. So there's a there's a range there, and all this is so new. Um, it's it's a lot like crypto. Like it's those are the two newest things, mm. and there's going to be a lot of litigation. There's going to be a lot of going back and forth, and yes. uh, eventually somebody with enough money will go get it heard in a decision made by the Supreme Court <laughs> and we'll have our answer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> or hopefully the Fifth Circuit. Yeah. You know, that's good enough for so there's us. There's just not so. enough case law yet. Yeah. That makes sense. So I guess the moral of the story, though, is if you own an S-Corp, to make sure you're paying yourself something on W-2 income 
And I've heard some CPAs say 50-50 is good enough. Like mm-hmm. if you're paying yourself W-2 income 50% and paying yourself distributions 50%, then that's good. I've had other CPAs tell me, well, no, because it depends. You know, if, if, if you're paying yourself $2 million, you don't need to pay yourself a million dollars in W-2 income. That's way more than a reasonable salary. So they think it's perfectly fine to maybe pay yourself two hundred k on W-2 mm-hmm. and 1.8 million in distributions, which is a way higher percentage. Where do you fall on all of that? It depends. Yeah. Well, I'm <laughs> but, sure every CPA um, would say that. <laughs> That's my, my lawyer speak there. But uh, I think it has to it has to be reasonable. And so, you know, the one of the things the artists are going to look at is they're going to look at what you've been doing in the past. And so if you've made, you know, $150,000 the last five years and you're pretty equal on how you're trading it, they're not going to touch you. Now, if you like, let's say for instance, every year is payroll is 50 grand or not 50, let's say 30, Okay. 30 grand. Okay. And so one year it's 15. Well, why was it 15 that one year? Uh, and so, I mean, th- that's So they want to see consistency, consistency too. Consistency is fine. And so, you know, now obviously if you made 100 and now you're down to 60 and that's why you were 15, you know, that makes that makes sense. But if you stayed at 100, if you're at 15,000 and you made 250, then why are you, you know, why is it not higher? So it's, 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 it's a hard thing to answer. And so the best thing to probably do is, is like I say, with your team, you know, you're, if you're, if you're running the show, you know, on, on your side of things or, or I'm doing it locally, that we're going to look at that as we're doing it to say, maybe this month we need, like, h- how are things trending? Like maybe mm-hmm. we're a little behind. Let's get, let's get caught up. That type of thing. Well, and going back to your, it's depend it depends comment. There are also situations where an owner may not need to even worry about putting themselves on income if the if the business is in a situation where they're having to make contributions to keep cash flow mm-hmm. going where you know maybe they're hitting a tough spot or it's a startup maybe where it's not making money yet and it's being floated by the owner's personal funds mm-hmm. in that case the owner doesn't really need to worry about getting themselves on income or on W-2 payroll yet because they're basically funding that company and anything they pull out is really more or less paying themselves back their contributions. Exactly. So it really doesn't become an issue until now they're at zero with that and now they're paying themselves more than what they've contributed, right? Mm -hmm. Is that a fair statement? That's a fair statement and just document it so... Um, I think that's how probably a lot of solopreneurs are doing things. Or so they're contributing their own capital in the beginning mm-hmm. until the business gets right. going, and then right. go from there. Right. So document, 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 so that of if course. everything does happen, uh, then um, th- then at least it's it's documented what you were doing. And of course, uh, those startup expenses technically are supposed to be amortized over five years or any section one ninety five of the code. Uh, but, uh, so if, if we're being technical, that's the way they're supposed to be done. Uh, but you know, f- for me, it kind of depends on my client, whether or not we want to just go ahead and 
179 something, we'll do a 179 depreciation, take it all at once, or so it all, it all kind of depends on on the individual the situation. Of if we can, if we had the luxury to spread it out over five years or mm-hmm. not, in our our risk. That makes sense. That. So depreciation um, is really a very versatile strategy you can use to kind of get your net income to be where you need it to be, right? Mm-hmm. If you have a lot of fixed assets, there's a, a wide range of things you can do to either take more depreciation or less depreciation, depending on whether you need more deductions or less deductions. Absolutely. So is that that's a strategy that you use with your clients? Yes. Um, you can do the 179 depreciation. If we qualify for a 199A QBI qualified business income, that's a great one too. Um, and there's, I mean, that's about another hour to talk yeah. about that one. Oh but. yeah, actually, I have an episode I did with Josh Dixon where we talked yeah. about just that, only depreciation, the entire hour. Yeah. So, which I'm sure most people listening to that are like, uh, yeah, not exactly um, the, the the most exciting topic in the world. But if you need yeah. <laughs> need something to help you fall asleep, go, go listen to <laughs> depreciation. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, no one's going to use this tonight. To, to and I'm not giving. Josh Dixon, any shade here. He's <laughs> awesome. But that topic is just one that it's really hard to make interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, Absolutely. anything else before we before we part? Anything else that you feel like small business owners really should know about the IRS? One of the things that we haven't talked about yet, which I think is incredibly important, is who you hire to do the work. Ah. And so uh, I come from... The big box tax resolution companies. That's how okay. I got started. I okay. was in family law and criminal law, and I hated it. And a friend of mine said, hey, you know, do you want to get start doing IRS audits? I said, what are you talking about? I don't know what that is. <laughs> You'll learn. And I did. And so what these big box companies do is they just sell you a dream that they can't they can't give you. They can't, you know, it's like it's it's the dream, but it doesn't actually come to fruition. And so all the time, people come to me like, well, these, I, y'all charge me $10,000 mm. and all you can do is a payment plan. And I'm like, yeah, because you don't have any records to do an audit. Or, you know, you've got $300,000 in savings and you owe $10,000. Go write them a check. You know, that sort of thing. So stay away from the big box companies. Make certain. Um, don't let anyone prepare a return for you that does not sign it. That's also a really big one. Ah, that's don't a good tip. ever go, anyone promises you a refund, don't use them unless you're a W-2, unless you and your people in your household are a W-2, and you typically get refunds. If you're a business owner and someone promises you a refund, then probably not true. Interesting. Because I haven't had a refund since I started my own business. Wow. Um, so if it doesn't, look at your tax returns. If something doesn't make sense, ask a question run it by me i'll take a look at it um so it's that's where a lot of people get into trouble as well as they just hire the wrong person Mm -hmm. to do it for them and then you know it's we can maybe get penalties removed but you're gonna have to pay the tax on whatever they did right and so um it's just 
really good. You know, some people need CPAs. Some people just need, you know, bookkeepers. Some people need tax attorneys. It, you know, it all just Some need all of the above. All the above. <laughs> and so I've got a network of everyone. Nice. So certain people, hey, you know, this guy knows exactly what, this CPA mm-hmm. knows exactly your business and your industry. I'm sending you to him. All you really need is someone to do your payroll and your bookkeeping, your accounts receivable. You're going to go to someone like Lindsay. I mean, it just, it just, oh, that's how I'm able to be a full service tax firm and be, and be by myself. Nice. Um, so that's really, really important. I hope everyone got something out of this. Um, I'm sure they did. If it's you have been any very questions, uh, yeah, give your information. If anybody needs your services or would like to pick your brain a little further, where how can they find you? So, I'm gonna my email. I don't know if there's gonna be anything that's gonna be put anywhere. Um, yeah, well, it'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So, go to the show notes. Look for Kate Cothrell at cothlaw.com. That's my email. Cothlaw.com is the website. Uh, Houston Tax Attorney is my social media handle on Instagram. Uh, and also uh, YouTube. And each week, if you follow me on LinkedIn, YouTube, or Instagram, uh, and LinkedIn is just my name, you know, Keith Cothrell, you're going to see tax videos every week in which I talk about a certain topic in taxes. Very nice. It was about the new changes to the 2022 taxes. Very nice. So each week I'll do that. Follow me. You'll get up to date on what's going on. And uh, when I finish my book, I will come back here and we'll talk about Very that nice. That's exciting. So. All right. <laughs> I look forward to that. I'm actually hoping oh. to do a book myself. And one more thing, uh, 832-402-4440. Very nice. So. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Thank you, Lindsay. Appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm Lindsay Klein with Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. If you are in need of any bookkeeping services, we are here to help. And Keith has certainly explained why it might be important. You can find us at Sakline.com, S-A-K-L-I-N-E.com. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Until next time, have a great week. By the Books is presented by Sakline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Sakline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, Visit Sakline.com or email info at Sakline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sakline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.